It's a fan morning show. Sportsnet 590, the fan, Justin and Ailish in our new April music. Uh, five days late, but... It, it hits pretty hard, though. It hits... Better late than never. It slaps. It's Gimme, Gimme, Gimme by that? ABBA for you podcast listeners, and it is a banger. It's it's all about the first 20 seconds, like if you're identifying what would work, and that's a strong start. That's I, a good 20 seconds. I pulled the... Uh, the veteran card between the two of us. Well, I, this was your, this was always your I thing. And I said, this is the song. We are enough of this. It's mid-April. <laughs> what a, oh, what a tune. I believe we started in the early 80s with Laura Branigan. And we've We're now. We're moving our way up. No, we've slightly dropped back into the 70s. Uh, that's right. What was We're the going one that, back in time. How old was the one that you picked? That was probably a late 90s thing. Yeah, it was. Probably a late 90s thing. It's a great tune. Bad I'll Boy Entertainment. That. Anyway, enjoy for the the listeners that are up at 6. I get to hear it live for the podcast listeners. Just go listen to it today. Yeah, During the little break that we say, like, we'll be right back on the other side of the break. Just pause, pull up ABBA, listen to it, and come back to us. That's that's the way to do it. I feel like the vibes are high. The vibes are high. That song. The vibes are high mainly, though, because of our guy. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Toronto Sports Sweep. That's that too. But like. There is nothing more exciting than our guy though. No, there's nothing more exciting than you say, you say Kikuchi, but like authenticity last night in terms of opponent, I want to throw this at you. Like, what do you think like the most authentic opponent we saw last night for Toronto sports teams? Of course they go three and O we've got a Columbus blue jackets team with a guy who played in the ECHL earlier this year, a local guy, Cambridge guy, Jet Greaves, Jet, Shout out to Jet Greaves, no need to grieve. That performance, because he nice. played quite well. Good one, Justin. Uh, but a, really a team that's not trying to win. Then you've got the Kansas City Royals, which is, you know, they're they're still going once through the rotation. They're trying to put their best foot forward. Still, Kansas City Royals with their fifth starter, one of the worst teams in baseball. And then the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> oh, no. Who are basically like an all-star team of UConn and San Diego State combined. And they're playing in the at the NBA level right now. So they were authenticity. Once this season selling tickets for one dollar. Absolutely insane. One dollar to I, go I watch ho- a professional someone, NBA sports team. It definitely wasn't like that on opening night, but imagine if someone just spent eighty two well, eighty two dollars, forty one dollars and went to forty one all forty one home games. It's like a home for pass. They give you a discount, it's like forty bucks. <laughs> give to any game you want. That is two beers. The authenticity of last night goes for me. Royals, Blue Jackets, Hornets. Yeah, I think you're right. And there's some big gaps between those. Yeah, it's Royals, then gap, big gap, Blue Jackets, then Hornets. No, the gap is way bigger between the Blue Jackets and the Hornets. Really? Than it is the Royals and the Blue Jackets. I'll give the Blue Jackets credit. They That was like a respectable tank yeah, job performance. Like they they weren't embarrassing, bar- embarrassingly tanking. They played pretty hard. They did pretty play pretty they hard. They played for Jet. They definitely they did. They played like, for Jet. There was a 50-burger in terms of shots, which is obviously mm-hmm. a lot, but it didn't seem like that. It's It seemed like they were doing everything in their might to protect this kid and not have him embarrassed you know, in front of friends and family. His dad apparently took the the night off at the fire hall so we can come down and watch the game at Scotiabank Arena. Good story. We'll ask Jeff Merrick about uh, Jet Greaves a little bit more. I was also re- in the reading that his hour. name is Jet because of Jet Lee and his yeah. and his father was... Ooh, Big what, mixed martial arts mixed fan. Martial or arts a martial guy. arts fan. Yes. I guess it would be mixed That's martial That's pretty cool. Arts. No, I love that story, of course. He's local-esque. Mm-hmm. Not a Hamlet, but St. Catharines nonetheless. You're not... No, no. Cambridge. 
Yep. Is Cambridge more of a hamlet? Well, no, I don't, I don't that, want to piss they, off. Those Blake are Murphy. not hamlets. Not a hamlet. No, those okay. are metropolis we booming mi- cities. Metrop- metropolis. <laughs> we we missed our opportunity to do a know your hamlet segment with our guy Corey Connors winning Listowel, Ontario. I don't know anything about it. I, I want to know more. I have been to Listowel. Well, you can. You want to do an abbreviated version? Tell me something um, about it. One thing. One redeeming quality. Um, it's not too far from another hamlet we've once discussed. Um, I believe it's pretty close. Mm. It's on the way to London? Yeah, I've driven through it many times, but it's kind of, uh, I was going to say close-ish to where See, our we buddy, don't know enough. We don't know enough about it. Well, we'll have to explore, but it is at least... It's going to have to win the Masters. ...within 10 minutes of where I got my dog, Bunker. Okay. I drove through go. it to get to Palmerston. Palmerston. Well, paw nice, for nice. puppies. Anyway, no, I know Lista well because it's a place you go through to get to other places, but... I bet there's a list of well listeners, so a list Definitely. of well listener. Give, give us some infacts, or some infacts, some insight, and some facts. All right, so uh, the Toronto sports sweep, maybe not against the most prolific of opponents, but hey, you can only win this against a team that's in front of you. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, and it would be like, well, we, we were talking, we were joking about like the Rebel parlay and all that stuff. Like these were games that you needed to win. Maybe not necessarily the Royals. I guess that's what makes them the most authentic opponent is not like a complete layup. It did feel a little tenuous at moments with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Leafs have been given up empty or not empty net goals, uh, six attacker goals left, right, and center. So I was a little concerned. There was some high danger looks there on that uh, on that late game Joe surge Wall had to from make some saves. the Blue Jackets. And, and of course, Joe Wall made some saves. But yeah, those were games that you expected each Toronto sports team to win. They took care of business. All good things. Let's start with the Blue Jays because they were my, as I said, it main screen last night because of our guy, Kikuchi, having the start of the season Everything in Blue Jays land was resting on his shoulders. The season would have been over if Kikuchi had lost last night's performance. And you you just love to see it. You love to see the guy go out there with a level of confidence that I did not see once last year. Yeah. A pep in his step, an oomph, throwing with high velo, hitting, Bouncing off the mound, sellies. Like, he looked so happy, and mm-hmm. it made me so happy. Yeah, you got to be thrilled. Like, I don't think there's any other... Like, I can't stop smiling. You uh, say Kikuchi just has a hold of me. Uh, but yeah, you have to be thrilled from that performance because of what you said. It was more than, like, what happened, the result. He gets a win. It's the first win for a Blue Jay starter. Like, those are all great things. But just the fact that he was out there having fun and not tormented by what happened last year, not nervous that what happened last year may happen again. He was just out there pitching and competing and emoting, and there was all these... That was all great stuff. Like, when Vladdy made that awesome play in the first inning, and he's so fired up... That's what I'm talking about when I said that emotion. He's going to be okay. Like, he's into this. He's fired up. And he wasn't sharp. This wasn't Grapefruit League MVP Yusei Kikuchi. He was not... That sharp in the game. He was hit a little bit. He only had, he was like the, what, leader in whiffs in spring training. Mm-hmm. He didn't strike out many batters, only think two, and it was he reserved that for, I think, the final inning. He was out there in the fifth. Uh, so it wasn't like he was dominant. It wasn't like he had the stuff that he had all spring, but he was just pitching and pitching good enough to let his defense help him out and just competing. And that's all you can ask for from Yusei Kikuchi right now. It's normally all you can ask for for your fifth starter, just 
get us in a ball game. And he got them in a ball game and they just competed and they ended up winning that game. Of course, the one pitch that he served up to Fran Will Reyes was an absolute bomb center cut, just ready to get mm-hmm. walloped out of the park. And it was, and he got it, had to get bailed out a few times. Our boy Dalton Varsho stepped up with one of the plays of the year. You will see defensively, at least from the Toronto Blue Jays. But that's what you got to do. Put yourself in a position where your team can help you out. Just pitch. Just have fun. And what the what was the result? It was a win and a really positive start for Yusei Kikuchi. Two things about last night's game that I really realized was previous version of Kikuchi last year would have spiraled in some of these moments. Okay, a home run is hit off here. Pretty much laid it right down the middle of the strike zone. Whatever. It was a... It, it was It was well hit. It was basically grooved. Yes. Then there's an opportunity where he walks Jackie Bradley Jr., remember him, and mm-hmm. they put the go-ahead run on base, and he's able to dial it in and avoid the strike zone, and and uh, or, or did he pitch it? I forget how he avoided it. Nonetheless, he got through something that would have been maybe a, a peek into last year Kikuchi, right? He was able to kind of block out the noise and whether that's because of the pitch clock. And I want to ask Kevin Barker about this. We're going to have him at 730. Um, I feel like he's benefiting the most from just getting on the mound and throwing baseballs and having a little bit less time to think about it and be in the moment. I will say, though, that then that was definitely the, the narrative coming in. But he was taking it deeper in the pitch clock than any other Blue Jays pitcher mm-hmm. so far. So I think he's using it. Like, he's so comfortable with it that he's almost waiting a little bit longer, throwing it with two seconds left changing up the speed a little bit that way. Like, I think he's most, I think that's the thing. He's not that he's like unconscious and not thinking out there because no. he doesn't have an extra 15 seconds on the mound. I just think he's feeling good about where he's at. Yeah. And the guys on the broadcast did a wonderful job detailing what he did this off season. And I'm not the guy that like throws too much praise on athletes for just doing their job. Your job is to perform. And if you're not doing anything in the off season, like when they mentioned try- that he stayed in Arizona, staying in Arizona, working, now. sending video, they're, they're making adjustments. They're working really hard. And that's what Jose Brios did as well. So it's not like, wow, you get you so much praise for doing some extra stuff in the summer. No, that's not what it's about. But the fact that he cares enough to work on it by himself, to film himself, to send film to coaches and getting feedback. It's just that he went into the lab and he worked hard and now he's seeing some fruits of that labor, but it all starts with the head. Mm-hmm. Like if he's, if he can like block out the noise, if he can just focus on pitching and having fun and competing, I think that's what sets him up. And I guess a summer of, or off season of hard work rather has set him up for success where he can just block out what happened mm-hmm. and just focus on the here and now and at least the here and now has been positive so far with Kikuchi. I mean he had to do all those things though like he was demoted to the bullpen um last year mm-hmm. it was making a lot of money and there was a lot of eyeballs on him as a competitor and all the things going on in his head last off season and he certainly rose to the occasion and start number one he went five innings um, here's John Schneider talking about Kikuchi post game, and then after that, we'll play John Schneider saying that Kikuchi actually wanted to go out and keep pitching mm. in the sixth. Um, awesome job by him, efficient with his pitch count um, around the zone. You know, I think just a few less strikeouts than we saw in spring, but yeah, it was it was fun. It was you know, it's it's just nice to see a guy kind of put the work in, and then and then really see it carry over. Um, it was yeah, it was pretty cool. Guys, guys were happy for him. 
Yeah, he was. I think he wanted to. You know, he wanted to, but understood it. You know, I think that, you know, it's. I think it's nice to get a guy off to a good start first time through too. So, um, I love the fact that he was wanting to go back out. But it was, um, it was a pretty good discussion. He was, he was good with it. That's it. Put the work in. Be a competitor. Want to keep going. Um, the rest of the bullpen also helped close out this game. So it was a, it was a great performance in terms of, you had great pitching. You had really good defense as we talked about with Dalton Varsho and you're able to get up what four runs on the board I mean it's not prolific again in offensive power but Matt Chapman has been a very bright start of this season mm-hmm. he's playing himself into big money <laughs> at the end of the season I don't want to get too anxious about that yet but he's been maybe the all-star of the first five games he's been absolutely unbelievable and we have the pleasure of having Kevin Barker on a little later I believe mm-hmm. 7 30 we'll ask him about his uh, approach to the plate, his new approach to the plate. It seems to be paying major, major dividends because every other time he's up at bat, uh, up at bat, it seems like he's lining a double into the he's gap. Got Eleven hits so far. Eleven hits. I think that's a, a Blue Jays it's record through the tied first five games for Blue Jays record, which is awesome stuff. Like if if it weren't for if it weren't for, I mean they're two and three. It's not like uh, you know you completely change. Uh, the narrative if he hadn't been hitting or ha- hasn't been raking the way he has. But this offense would be real anemic if it weren't for mm-hmm. what Matt Chapman has done through the first five games. So uh, I'm curious to find out what Kevin Barker thinks has made a difference, at least through the start here, because, yeah, that was a big storyline through spring training was Matt Chapman is making changes. Are those changes going to be ready for the start of the season? Well, I've got news for you. Uh, they are. Let's hear from Chapman on his start to the season. As you mentioned, he's got uh, 11 hits through the first five games of the season, tied for with George Bell and Shannon Stewart um, from way back when. He's looking hot, and he did a lot of off-season work as well to have that be the way that he starts the season. Uh, it feels good. You know, it feels good to be, you know, taking, you know, consistent at-bats and taking the kind of at-bats, you know, that I want to take and, being able to get on base and drive runs in, help this team win, obviously, you know, it's good to get that win tonight. And I think it's really consistent. We can just all build off of each other's at-bats. You know, when one guy takes a good at-bat, you kind of just jump right on board. You just string a lot of good at-bats together, and then it makes it really hard for a pitcher to kind of navigate our lineup. So I think the more we, we do that, the tougher we are going to be to beat. And put him in the cleanup position, uh, spot yesterday, which was um, – I, I was – not surprised, but like that's a pretty big move early on in the season. But he was already deserving of it, and he looked Def- great in that spot. Definitely keep him there too when mm-hmm. Alejandro Kirk is is playing. Like I, I know Kirk has had that opportunity to start or playing or at least batting ahead of him. But I think it's important that Chapman right now with the way that he's hitting the ball, if he's behind the Guerreros and the Bichettes of the world, better chance of driving in some runs. Dalton Varsho. I think I'm in love. <laughs> I don't know how you can't be like. The buddy, the guy is a Swiss Army knife mm-hmm. because he is just an authentic ball player. He's a he that he got an opposite field home run. For, I think his second time ever in his career, or second time in a year. I'll take your word for it. Nonetheless, that doesn't happen often. He, you saw the bunt single, his base running. He's got that perfect, perfect throw to home plate last night. Great defensively, and he seems like a total gem. That's the Swiss Army knife of Dalton Varsha. He can do it all. And we've seen early returns are that he's going to be a fan favorite for the Blue Jays. Yeah, in the same way that Jake McCabe is a defenseman. That's it. Dalton Varsho is a ball player. Uh, I think, I mean, I, I don't know how you could not love this guy. Um, is is he maybe hitting, is it maybe a stretch to say that he should be a cleanup hitter for a team that's going to win the World Series? Maybe so. But 
I don't know how. What I like most about him or what I'm most um, optimistic about is he has so many ways to help you win. And if it's not working at the plate, he's going to help you win in the field. Or he's going to drop that bunt single down and get you on base because he's not seeing uh, the ball particularly well um, when he's trying to take a full hack. Lots of stuff to like about him. And what I find most intriguing as well is that we're getting all these great stats like, oh, that was the hardest he's hit a ball in right? three years. That's the second hardest throw of that his career. That was his first opposite field home run since August of 2021. So there you go. That's what so I meant. So <laughs> all, the, all these like really like great stats, and I don't know how much they, what it means, but it, it's got to mean good things. Does it mean that you're peaking mm-hmm. as an athlete? Is it, you're seeing the ball particularly well? Are you as strong or as healthy as you've been at any point in your career? We'll ask Kevin Barker about that as well. But all those good things, that's the hard, like, and... I, I believe it. That rope, that hose that he showed off in left field, saving a run, which was very, very important for one mm-hmm. Yusei Kikuchi, because as much as his head was on straight that and he was, was looking and feeling good, huge. if it starts to pile up, then maybe you're feeling less good about the next inning and, and your performance is affected by that. That play that we saw in left field, the fact that he hit a bomb and dropped down a bunt single, he did every single thing that you would want from a player at, of his ilk at his position in last night's game. And I don't know how you can't be excited one time through the order about what he's going to bring to this team. If you had told me that our bright spots from the first five games were Matt Chapman, you say Kikuchi and Dalton Varsho, I probably would have been a little bit surprised, but sometimes it's not your all-stars that lead you into a turning point of the season. <laughs> so early on, obviously they're two and three. It's, it's not something to, you know, sound the alarm for yet but that was a really really big win we got Alec Manoa on the mound tonight um starting back at the top of the rotation this is another huge game hopefully there's some momentum because Manoa's start on opening night wasn't what he wanted wasn't what the fan base wanted or the team so it's an opportunity to build from last night and keep moving forward it's their uh Thursday series finale tomorrow will be Kevin Gosman so once again it has got a good rotation going on here. Kikuchi really helped with that. Great to see him have that outing. We'll talk to Kevin Barker about all of this um, later in the show. But last night, we did see our first... Uh, we saw a Tuesday night Tampa Bay beat Kansas City in one hour and 53 minutes. Oh, my goodness. One hour and Wait, 53 Kansas minutes. Kansas City. Who can't be Kansas City. Who was it? Blue Jays played Kansas City. Oh, uh, Tampa Bay. Who did they play? The Pirates, maybe. Hi. I don't know sense. who they played. Either Sorry. way. Tampa- I said Kansas City because we played Kansas City. Right. So we got, um, we got. I mean, you know, efficient pitching can give you an, a game under two they hours. They played the Nationals. Sorry. I'm all, yeah. I'm all for um, it. I believe it was less than two hours long. So that's, this could be around the corner, folks. That's it amazing. could be around the corner. Um, I don't know if you'd feel that's really, that's a quick game. That's barely out of your seat to get a beer. No, I'm, uh, you can sign me up for those all summer long. What's the, am I, am I, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong game. Nonetheless, there was a game last night that was less than two hours long. That's okay. I mean, we don't have to figure it out. One one game across Major They're League Baseball for me. Uh, was under two I hours. Mean, I, I definitely saw it this morning in my timeline. I should have pulled it up. And it's positive. Less than two hours is pretty damn good. All right. Um, that was your Blue Jays kicking us off last night was the, uh, the, the biggest win, I would say, out of Toronto sports. 100%. Okay. And the realest win. The realest win. Um, all right. Let's go Leafs and Jackets next. It was Marlins and Twins, so I was completely off. But nonetheless, it was a game shorter than two hours. So I'm sure the Rays you had get some the point. efficient pitching nonetheless. They probably did. You get the point. Um, all right. Maple Leafs with a win over the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. Um, we mentioned it. The goaltending battle between Wall and 
our buddy Jet. Uh, that was kind of the point of intrigue. It was Leafs Pride Night as well. Uh, we'll talk to Jeff Merrick about that. And, I mean, the Columbus Blue Jackets are not primetime viewing experience, but a win's a win for the Maple Leafs. I think there's some things to glean from it, including Zach Aston Reese. Mm-hmm. Once again, if you told me that last night's All-Stars were Will Barton, Zach Aston Reese, and Kikuchi, I wouldn't have believed you, but sometimes it comes from the unsung heroes. Um, Zach Aston Reese having another great performance, two goals. He's now hit a career high with 10. And I kind of wrote him off a little bit after the trade deadline because he had a couple healthy scratches there. We had the new faces of Lafferty and kind of got pushed, I think, to the fringe. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's been clawing himself into a spot here, at least a conversation of where Zach Aston Reese sits it's not as easy as it once was to say as soon as ryan o'reilly's back in lineup he's gone i just like he's he's competing quite hard for a roster spot right here yeah like i mean it's not that he's done not that all the production has come like in the last most of it has actually Mm -hmm. or or a large portion of it has in like the last couple weeks or month here and you can't just have like a hot two weeks and make that a season because there was some dissatisfaction oh, in Zach Aston at, at points of the season. Did we did we think he was going to be in the postseason roster? We weren't necessarily sure, but I don't know how you could look at the season and not say it's a successful one. Like he's paid under a million dollars. He's now hit double digit scoring uh, or double digit goals rather. And we talk about secondary scoring all the time. Like this is some decent tertiary scoring if you want to put it that way. With a fourth liner scoring ten goals, I know they sort of had that luxury for a while with Jason Spezza. But this is kind of this is a little bit of found money, and some of these goals have been pretty big. I mean, his two goals were, I guess, the difference in this game. So it's been nice to see a little bit more production. Just maybe the hope or threat or belief that you may be able to get something, a big goal from the fourth line. I think we have more of that, and it's not just because of Zach Aston Reese, but it's because there are some more contributors in the bottom six and Zach Aston Reese has sort of raised his level maybe feeling a little pressure maybe just getting a little lucky and clearly there was some luck involved in his another big scoring night from him last night but yeah I think you have to be pretty um, encouraged by what his season has been and what he can give you alongside other you know pretty impressive members of a fourth line uh, when the playoffs do roll around it feels like it's like Zach Aston Reese or Matthew Nyes I guess for the last forward mm. spot for the 12 See, this is spot. what I got to I last guess you night could too. throw Sam Lafferty in there, but I don't think you're going to sit Sam Lafferty. The speed, I think, is too valuable. Yeah. And I, I think he's been kind too. of... He's going to be a bit of fish out of water, too. Like, with all these changes to the lineup, it's not like he's been given the opportunity to really settle in with quality line mates. So, I, 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 to me, it's become more and more of a stretch to me that Matthew Nyes is going to be like an automatic impact guy. I think he'll get a couple games. I think if they're desperate, he goes in for scoring or just to change the dynamic. Uh, but right now, Zach Aston Reese, I think, is going to play a pretty fixed role in this team when the playoffs do roll around. And I don't really expect many, many other changes because this team is slowly but surely figuring things out. Yeah, Sanchez, Zach, Aston, Reese putting two pucks in the net. He's back checks hard. He's hard to play against. He's ramped up his physicality. And for a guy on a third line slash fourth line at times, that's a big bonus. He's cheap, as you mentioned. Let's not get greedy. Fourth line. Yeah. But I don't know exactly how it changes if I think Matthew Nice is in the lineup. I think how it changes what I think Matthew Nice feels like he needs to bring to this team. There's a little bit less pressure possibly sure. on him. Um it's funny how we were so high on Matthew Nice. Well, we as like collective Torontonian discussing the Maple Leafs, 
where he was being penciled into the first line. And then I was like, oh, you know, top six. And I was like, well, he could probably be in the you know, bottom six at this point. He could be a third liner. And I was like, well, maybe he won't even get many playoff starts, which is just a testament to the way the Leafs have kind of rounded out their bottom six, at least. And some guys are elevating their play. Nonetheless, we're going to see Matthew Nice sometime next week or hopefully right with like two games left. Ryan O'Reilly basically is just waiting to get the go-ahead to play. It sounds like he's just eager to get in there. Um, Thursday, tomorrow against the Bruins, we could see him or he could see him Saturday night against the Montreal Canadiens. He's eager to get back out there, but cautious, saying, you know, I don't really need to push it, but at the same time, I'm ready to rumble. Well, so. I'm I'm eager to see him back there, out there. I think Leaf fans should be as well, mm-hmm. because until he comes back, I don't think we're going to know what is planned. I think we can, like, assume where Zach Aston Reese is going to end up, but last night, we saw William Nylander, Mitch Marner, and John Tavares play together. I don't think it was overly effective. Maybe they weren't really given the opportunity you got to your be wish, all that effective. But yes, I got my wish. And what were the early returns on your wish? Not much, right? Like yeah. Matthews looked dangerous. As soon as I saw that, I messaged him. I said, let's go. It's Justin's lineup. And then yeah. I was eh, okay, well. But I, I want to see it against Boston. So I hope it's not abandoned because Matthews didn't score a million goals last night or the second line didn't function properly. That's never going to be what the second line looks like. I don't think as much as there's... A lot of money and a lot of talent on a second line that has Nylander, Marner, and Tavares. I don't expect that to ever really be an option for Sheldon Keefe. What I do expect is Ryan O'Reilly to come in, split up that group, and you figure out the pieces and the formation from there. I want to see Ryan O'Reilly back against Boston. I want to see Austin Matthews play with Cal Yarncroft and Michael Bunting in that game. And I want to see maybe... O'Reilly played with Nylander. I want to see a little experimentation in that game because as much as it is Boston, it doesn't really mean anything uh, because last night, I don't think we can really take anything real from it. Yes, we saw Matthews with those two guys, but Columbus, like that's the fakest of fake games. It was, it's the fake game. Uh, we saw a Columbus Blue Jackets team that didn't really want to engage, was sitting back, was protecting their rookie goaltender, all that stuff. Uh, I don't really know if we can glean anything from a game where the Leafs seem to be humming at about 70% effort. You mentioned Bunting. How about him being the quietest church the mouse? He was a schoolboy last was- night. It was actually pretty funny. And the broadcast obviously zooms in on him anytime yeah. the whistle went. And he he like had like a zipper on his mouth. Good for him. He, he had a talking he took, to. He, to. He had a talking to. Was he, he listening to sports hard. radio over the last two days? It's That's maybe possible because, you know, that's what we've been talking about. Like, it has to stop. <laughs> and guess what? Did he? I, I should have looked this up this morning, uh, but I don't remember a penalty called against him. I don't remember any hijinks last night. I also didn't see an overly effective player. So mm-hmm. maybe he needs to be partly towing the line in order to be Michael Bunting. But finding that balance, I think, is the most important thing because clearly things were working against you. But can you be a schoolboy and be effective? But, you know, we're coming back that way and we'll find a happy Thursday medium. night against Boston Bruins will be the real test. It's going to be hard to be a, There's a so, real... You're going to go head-to-head against some other rats? Unless they don't want to engage. Endearing rats is how I mean the word rats, everybody. Uh, how endearing really is Brad Marchand? Nonetheless, Tomorrow night will be a real test, but a, it, it was funny just to see him very detracted from every situation possible. And no team will be more suited to pick up on Michael Bunting being well-behaved than the Boston mm-hmm. Bruins. Like, they'll be able to use that They're to their advantage. To be like, what, you're not talking anymore? Like, I can just see it now, and we'll see how Michael Bunting responds. But again, he's got to have some of that in him, or he's not Michael Bunting. So it's all about finding that balance and... Maybe some atonement over the last couple games 
for the officials to try and get yourself in a position where they're not targeting you. So Joe Wall looked pretty good in that again. He's been, every time he's come in, mostly steady. Good to see it. Uh, 24 saves on 26 shots. I think we have the clip from yesterday where Keefe is talking about what's going on with Murray. And he's asked about, oh, what's up with Murray? And his answer, he has a little tidbit of it that I wanted to bring up. Right now, it's going to be a a day-to-day thing in terms of sorting through exactly where he's at and and what the time frame might be. Uh, It'd be difficult to put any any real timeline on it until we give him more time to to settle. What was the injury? Well, he's got a head injury, so we'll have to see see where that is. He's got some other stuff as well. Uh, But like I said, it will have to be... Take it a day at a time in terms of seeing really where he's at. Concussion? No, concussion? I think I've answered the question. Hey, okay. A head injury and some other stuff. And then asked specifically by a reporter if he has a kink of a concussion. And he said, I think I've answered the question. Interesting. I mean, whether he does or doesn't have a concussion, I think you, you'd be protective either way. You know what I mean? Like, you can have a head injury and it doesn't necessitate that you're out a week. But if it is mm-hmm. a head injury that it's not like a... You know, like a laceration or a scrape or a bruise or whatever. A laceration. What you know what I mean? Like if it's if it's a head injury, yes, that is like in the concussion spectrum at least. He's got to be out. He's got to be out for a bit, and so, that means he's not going to be an influence mm-hmm. down the stretch of the season. And that means Joe Wall is going to be here and maybe entering the playoffs as the backup goaltender. I just think you know. I was I, just. I, I why did like the answer was just weird. That's all. What what made it weird? <laughs> All of that <laughs> and other stuff, a head injury and well, other stuff. There's always other stuff okay. with Matt Murray. And then does he have a concussion or not? Well, I've already answered the question. So I, th- I the, think Sheldon, I don't understand the just like the protectiveness. I of think it. Sheldon Keefe wanted to keep it. But he didn't want to say it was a concussion, whether it is because then you either write off or they don't have the opportunity to be like, hey, he's not going to be a part of this at the moment. Right. Like, if he doesn't have a concussion, they can't mm-hmm. say he has a concussion. But they could be making a decision where it's like, we can't trust this guy. We're not happy with this. We're not happy well, with his excuses. It just sounds excuses. like that's the way that they're like, going let's anyway. Say, let's say he exited that game and it's just like, I don't want to go back in because I don't want to go back in cold. Like, mm-hmm. we've heard this stuff about if it's not perfect for him, he's mm-hmm. not going to play. If he just used that card again, I could see Sheldon Keith being like, we can we can pretend that he, or we can make it seem like he has a head injury just so we don't have to deal with this BS anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it, the, the 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 more information he keeps to him, the more you can kind of disguise what's actually happening. I just feel like we won't see him for the rest of this stretch. I mean, Maple Leafs don't have many more games. They've got Bruins Thursday, their last home game already. Um, Saturday night against the Montreal Canadiens. Then they got a couple couple big ones: Panthers, Lightning, and then ending with some Rangers as well. So, I think we'll see a lot of Joe Wall. Yeah. Which I'm good with. Yeah, I'm okay with that as well. I mean, you got to keep Samson off sharp. If he plays two of five, are we happy with that? If he plays Boston, I think New he York? should play Boston for sure. Yeah. I think you can put Joe Wall back in against Montreal Canadiens on Hockey Night in Canada Saturday night. I wouldn't mind seeing Wall against Tampa just as a, you know, you mm-hmm. don't have Corey Perry sniffing around the crease when, you know, Corey Perry doing Corey Perry things. If you can avoid that, maybe avoid that. But uh, Rangers Boston seems like a good schedule for Samson off down the stretch. Uh, which would leave three games for Joseph Wall. I could see him doing Florida as well. So, like, because if Samson plays Thursday, doesn't play Saturday, 
doesn't play Monday's game and then doesn't play again until they play the Rangers on Thursday. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a week off. That's a good point. So I think if I'm using my crystal ball, it's Samson off Thursday, Wall Saturday, Samson off Monday, Wall Tuesday. Tuesday versus the Lightning. Samson off Thursday against the Rangers. I'm all for End that. The season. You want to play them in that Rangers game because I don't think they start until the next Monday. Oh, you have to. Then there's six days off before game one, which is, I don't so think, just ideal. So back and forth here. Yeah. You heard it here first. Back and forth between Samsonov and Wall, leaving Murray to do whatever Matt Murray does when he's not playing hockey. I don't know what that would be. I don't know either. Um, all right. So Leafs back tomorrow night against the big, bad Boston Bruins. Um, anything else from the Leafs for you? No, not really. Uh, I, I don't think it was an overly eventful night. I mean, I, I guess we should just mention Pride Night and the fact that Ilya Samsonov chose not to wear the decal on his helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked yesterday about how, you know, the Leafs would be pretty hyper aware of everything that's going on. It should be noted that they didn't plan on wearing jerseys. That was never a thing. Uh, so it's not like Samsonov chose not to wear a jersey or they chose not to wear jerseys because of Samsonov. But everyone but Samsonov did wear a decal to celebrate Pride Night, and the celebrations for Pride Night were ongoing inside Scotiabank Arena. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll ask Jeff Merrick about that. We'll ask Jeff Merrick about the Pride Nights. But in terms of factual information, Samsonov chose not to wear the decal, citing changes to uh, Russian law mm-hmm. and the considerations associated with that. Yes, one of uh, a few Russian players that opted out of being included in the Pride Night festivities. Um, we've seen those guys and openly talk about the consequences that could face at home and their family. And so we'll talk to Jeff Merrick about that. And I'm sure I, it comes we, into it. We should say, because I don't want to be hypocritical because we've, we've uh, been critical yep. of those who have not worn and, and uh, celebrated and supported uh, pride night festivities. It's disappointing for sure, but uh, it's not the same as James Reimer. It's not the same as the stalls. Uh, but maybe it is closer to being the same as Ivan Provorov. And that was the first of a, unfortunately, long line of these stories. And we really went in on Ivan Provorov at the time. And I think we've learned a little bit more. But we can also be disappointed and kind of semi-understanding mm. in terms of what's going on because all these Russian players are doing it for reasons that may affect them in ways that we don't understand. So I don't want to be apologist here because just just because Elias Samsonov did it and he's a leaf. That that doesn't sound good and that's not where I want to go. But as we've learned more and more about this here, uh it, it it's not under I'm not more understanding. I just understand it, if that makes sense. Yep, I think that's well put. Um before we move off, uh list a well as we are speaking. Mm-hmm. Letter Kenny was created about life in Listowel. Really? Text line I didn't know that. I'm not a Letter Kenny guy. Do you watch Letter Kenny? No, but everyone says you'd love it. Okay. I think I you would love it. I think on. you would love so it. So you've never even seen I've it. I've never though. seen it, but I feel like you would like it. Okay, just because of the clips you've seen and like the probably the photo the guy's got what, no tooth. Uh, Looks like a beauty. Uh, I don't know why. It's just a hunch that you would like it more than me. This text line discussion I'm having is Letter Kenny was created about life in Listowel and the individual follows up. My daughter married a fine Dutchman, very thrifty from Listowel, mm. and has lived there for 10 years. Hence, I've become very familiar with the place. It's bigger than you may think. They have a Walmart and stuff. Also, more shoe stores per capita than anywhere else in Canada. One Corey Connors and at least one thrifty Dutchman. 
exciting. I love it. We have to make a trip to Listowel. Mm-hmm. We should do the fan morning show on location in some of these hamlets. We'll I do swear. a, ham- We're doing a, a real, Hamlet tour one day. There's a real, there's something there. There's a hunger. If 32 Thoughts podcast can go hit up a bunch of, I don't know if it, I think it was BPs, but I don't want to mispromote. I'm not sure either. A couple restaurants so we'll, yeah. they, 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 they were, hit up. Some live tour. shows and some restaurants we around. We could be doing that at local coffee times. <laughs> they were, yeah, they were doing the Cambridges, and we would do, you know, local community center mm-hmm. where everybody congregates. No, no, not even a community center. We would be doing the it's local coffee times. Coffee time. Okay. Remember coffee time? Oh, yeah. You can picture it vividly, can't you? Yeah, there are, there are, you can also, a few of them around. you can also picture the scenery around a coffee time. Like oh, yeah. You know where and where a coffee time is, it, it makes sense. A couple barren trees. Yeah. One day, folks. That's the dream for the fan morning show. Um, okay, Raptors Hornets, another win for Toronto Sports last night. Uh, maybe the least enthralling. Um, 120-100 win over the Hornets on Tuesday. This moves Toronto. Wait for it. Over 500 for the first time mm-hmm. since December. Last week, they hit 500 for the first time, but now they are over 500 with the win. Now they're 13 and 12. Still- oh, no, they were 13 and 12. Now... They are back to over 500. Right. So. Still can't shake the Atlanta Hawks, though. They're still in ninth place. I know. Because Atlanta like... just keeps, you know, they keep humming along as well. So three games left, three games to make up the meaningful ground between mm-hmm. eighth and ninth. Uh, it is a tough schedule here with Boston on the second half of back-to-back tonight. Good big Boston week for us Toronto it is a teams. Big, back-to-back nights, big Boston week, which is terrifying, what to be honest. the Red Sox? What's that? At least there's no Red no, Sox No, at least right not now. the Red Sox. Yeah, we Can don't you imagine that all three teams playing Boston teams? <laughs> With the way the Blue Jays are Woof. pitching, save for last night, I don't think we want to see that Boston Red Sox offense just yet. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's great that the Raptors are seem to be, you know, I don't want to say peaking, but if they're playing their best basketball now, that's a good thing. They're 8-3 and three over their last 11 games. And they are playing very, very well of late. And I think, you know, blocking up the noise, moving on from the trade deadline, getting Jakob Pertl installed into everything, not, you know, just folding because Nick Nurse has made it obvious that he doesn't want to be here anymore, at least... Uh, he doesn't want to be here anymore because maybe the Raptors don't want him to be here anymore, at least beyond this season. It's great that they're playing good basketball right now. The prospects of getting through the play and getting into the playoffs. I, I won't, I won't say that we'll deem it a successful season, but if they get into the playoffs and they have a competitive series, I think we'll be in the end satisfied, right? Like if we mm-hmm. reflect on the whole season, yeah, we had some, we had some expectations. Progression was the, uh, the goal, but if they, get into the playoffs and fight and scrap and show what the Raptors are still about with or without Nick Nurse moving forward, I think we'll be satisfied. So I think they're doing what they can to put themselves in position to do that. A real tough stretch here, though, with a back-to-back starting tonight against the Celtics and again Friday against the Celtics. Um, got to take one. You, yeah, you got to take one. I think that the Raptors did their best to kind of hold their starters out for a while. Like the bench was great last night. Will It was the Will Barton show. Um, 20 points, uh, Chris Boucher with 21 points, Scotty Barnes with zero points. Put up the bagel. Just a zero point performance. Um, saving it for tonight. Yes. But yeah, Will Barton, Chris Boucher has been looking good lately. Those are important fast facets of making sure you're set up for tonight against the Celtics and Friday against the Celtics, which you, you're right. You got to get one. You got the Bucks on Sunday. We did talk about this last week as they're ending their season on a tough stretch, but will these teams be sitting? What do the Celtics and the Bucks have right now to play for? I'm hoping that they, they decide to rest some of their guys as well. Mm-hmm. Cause the Raptors need these games. The Celtics also played last night. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
they're going to, you know, have that load managing concern as well. Apparently, Jalen Brown did not play, though. I didn't watch the game, but Jalen Brown did not play. So I guess he'll be ready for tonight. Maybe they're just doing like split squad stuff at this time. Like last time was a big game. They they mm-hmm. played the Philadelphia 76ers and they did lose. Um, so I, I, how they approach the game, I guess it would probably be better if they won last night's game. It'd probably be a little bit more encouraging because they're like, OK, we got our we got our one from this. This back-to-back, we can kind of lay off a little bit, but it seemed like their plan all along was to just kind of spread the wealth across two games. And if you're not going full bore against Philly right now, that means like you're not necessarily desperate to pick up wins. So maybe they're going to take it easy, and the Raptors, after being able to rest some guys in-game yesterday, will have uh, the energy uh, and the incentive to get the job done. Fred took a hard fall during that game last night, and I thought, oh, it's the last thing we need. He popped up. He looked good. Mitch Marner got a skate on the back of his calf. Scary times last night. Scary times. He was good. I don't know if there's any injury issues in the Blue Jays game. Uh, No. Oh, the one umpire got ran, though. He did. Oh my god! That was actually a really funny moment. That whole scene was like a, a little, like a clown show. Like, <laughs> the people are flipping over other people. The ref made like the umpire does that. I'm safe. I'm safe. And then they thought it was safe at first base. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I go. I'm out. It was just. Aroldis Chapman is just a mess now. Eh, playing for the Royals. Like he used to be the feared fireballer. Now he's just you know he's playing for a bad Did team. You say that now he's going to get like four home runs tonight. No, the the pitcher of Chapman. He's he used to be like 102. Now he's out here and like oh, he's playing for a bad he's team. Just like it, ju- eh? it just seems so so strange. But you know he's kind of a hijinks guy now, running over uh, umpires and uh, cashing in checks for a bad team. All right, so not a not a three uh, three screen night tonight, unless you're going to tune into Canada and Switzerland because the women's world championships also start tonight. Um, oh, I can't wait for this Which, tournament. And, and sorry to interrupt you, but uh, this this means the return of one of the, the sharpest minds in the game when it comes to sports betting. Ailish Forfar mm-hmm. on women's world championship the hockey and women's best-on-best best hockey. Uh, there is no better gambling mind. So we, we got a busy Stay wake tuned. and rake. We got Sam and Brent coming in, the golf guys, to talk the Masters. But we need to make time for your women's world championship picks. Canada is the heavy favorite in terms of momentum going into this tournament, not really heavy favorite in terms of tournament betting um, outright, but they just came back from a pretty incredible rivalry series victory. They were down three, nothing on the series and win four straight to win that one against United States. United States set their roster and really switched things up last minute. Um, a lot of new faces, a lot mm. of people making their national team debut. I was on um, Haley Salvian's show yesterday on Hockey Central to tee it up. And, I mean, Canada has won all of the, the most recent tournaments, right? Yeah, all the most important games of late has belonged to Canada. Exactly. Um, so they're coming in with a squad that is tried and tested and has a, pe- a championship pedigree nonetheless. The Americans are kind of... Their backs are up against the wall because they usually they don't go on these streaks where Canada dominates for three years. And then that that was how it used to be. There used to be a lot of flip-flopping here. The Americans traditionally won almost every single world championship. And now the tides have turned a little bit. So I'm a little bit uh, nervous about a, an American team that has a lot to prove, a lot of new faces, a little bit less... Um, pressure on some of these kids and that can prove to be scary because remember when you see a debut from a kid coming out of college or a first year uh national team player sometimes 
they can be the scariest. We've seen that a lot with the Canadians um, and the Americans over the last little while. But yes, Canada in action tonight against Switzerland and also United States kicking off their tournament today against Japan and the France and Finland. So three games today. I'll tee those up for you in the wake and rake. Qu- quickly, because we got to go here, but how do you juxtapose what the U.S. approach versus Canada? Is it the, the Canadian team that we would expect? Is it time yeah, honored? It's, what, what, it's what's the Canadian the group looking team like that we basically saw, I'd say, 90% of them from the last couple of tournaments. Natalie Spooner is back from pregnancy, so she's back. Back from pregnancy. Like, she's literally had a baby five minutes I've ago. I've seen some commercials. And she's back. She's uh, ready to They make only an have impact. one new face, a new college kid. Um, but don't fix what's not broken. That's mm, the way Canadians have gone. Sense. Americans have kind of switched it up and gone um, a bunch of new faces. So Okay, looking forward to I it. I can tee that up for you later in the show. Three games kicking off Women's World Championships in Brampton. Hoping to get to some of those. Um, Canada, United States, obviously the big one. The first game that they'll face off is Monday, so going to wait for that one. But there's a couple games before then. I think Canada plays three before they play United States, so let's lots to it. come. All right, let's take a break. we got the A-list on the other side. We have Jeff Merrick, Kevin Barker, and, oh, we got a little basketball talk today, too. Jake Fisher is going to join us, um, senior NBA writer from Yahoo Sports. We're going to talk about this new CBA and how folks are viewing Nick Nurse league-wide because it's good to kind of zoom out sometimes. We're in the Toronto market talking about Nick Nurse. We all kind of know our thoughts and feelings on him. How's the rest of the league viewing the Nick Nurse situation? Then we'll have the golf guys on at 830 to tee up the Masters. It's Masters week. Justin and I will have our picks tomorrow because we'll be on before the the tournament really kicks off. But we've got to get some insight today on who to pick because it's the biggest week in golf. A-list next. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Now, it's time for the A-List. Bing bong. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up, baby? All right. Haley Salvi, in front of the show, as we all know, wrote a great article at The Athletic. Uh, First time that women's hockey players were polled for their own survey. You know, the the men get their... The NHLPA player poll. This is the... uh, Okay. First ever women's hockey player poll that the Athletic has done. Haley spearheaded this. Shout out Haley. Shout out Haley. Um, a lot of good questions. A lot of pretty understandable answers. Um, but there was a couple that I wanted to bring up here. If you're building an original league from scratch, where would you want your original six teams oh, from? Oh, so she didn't go best shoes. Like oh, she, the she, there, there's there, a, there's, there's more than this too? question. Okay, sorry, but what was this that This one was interesting. So if you're building a, a league from scratch, where would you want the original six teams to be from? Okay. Toronto. Me? Toronto, Montreal. Montreal. Calgary, because that's no. where they're all... Chicago. Hanging out? Sure, yeah, that makes sense to Seattle. me. Seattle. Interesting, why Seattle? D.C. D.C. And Boston. Now, I think Seattle was discovered this year when the players went on their PWPA Dream Gap mm. Tour and they said they had maybe the best experience ever okay. playing hockey in Seattle. Um, just the fan base was crazy. It was jam-packed. I think they broke ticket sales records. They played at the new arena there. that was in, obviously immaculate. So Seattle, D.C. and Boston and Chicago. Um, thought that one was really interesting because there is a women's pro league on the cusp, as we know. Um I think we'll probably hear more about that in the next month or so. And they'll obviously need to pick, you know, four to six teams or, and locations for said teams. So Toronto, Montreal seems like a given. 
Boston also seems like a given, but Chicago, Seattle, and D.C. So maybe we should, exp- if there, like, there are rumblings and there are things happening and there are discussions being had, maybe this is an insight into where these franchises will actually mm-hmm. be. So Seattle might have something to, something to chew look on. forward to. All right. Um, if you could change one rule in the game, what would it be? Top result. 40% of the vote said allowing more hitting. Mm. Followed by runners up getting rid of the trapezoid. No more offside reviews. Yeah. Upset about the trapezoid. No more offside reviews and face off rules. Hmm. They want more hitting. Knocking some ladies out mid ice. Is that is that like an issue, the gray area with hitting in women's hockey? Like when it comes to officials? Because there is, it's a contact sport. There's difference between like battling in the corner and absolutely crushing somebody. Mid ice. So it, that means, like, what I mean by that is, like, it's subjective, right? No, like, is it just that's not subjective. That's a rule. You no, cannot you, body check someone in the middle of the ice. I know you. Oh, so it's open ice hits are not are not allowed. Certainly not. But you can like you can hit someone along the boards in a, in a certain way, right? Like there are. I think it's a bit more tolerable. Yeah. So like if, no, if, what, I'm, what I'm saying is, like, what happens along the boards is completely subjective. Yes. And are there issues with? There's sometimes the are, yeah, yeah, being, definitely. being on top of what's yeah. allowed and what's not allowed. Consistency would be the issue. Like, okay. I've played against refs where you just bump somebody in the box. Right. Then you see when Canada and United States play, like, it gets pretty physical. There's, like, legitimate scrums, you know. Yeah, it just seems like it's never an bodies. issue in big games. It's like they know how to, like, the athletes know what they're doing, but also the officials, it seems, at least in big games, in my experience, kind of know what they're doing in those moments. I feel like that's going to age poorly this year. Watch someone's gonna, their yeah, gold medal game. There's going to be like a scuffle and they put Poulin in the box. And yeah, that's scary. Uh, one last one I wanted to bring up. Friend of the show, our girl, Erin Ambrose, was voted the most likely to be the best general manager wow. of the team. That's a great, that is an, Your inc- bud, yeah? That, yeah, that's an incredible honor. If someone said I would be the best general manager of a team, that means that you're, you got great hockey IQ, you're organized. You're a good leader. Is that what it is you about Erin? Like you, yep. you have personal experience. What what would she's, make her a good GM? She's good, good hockey mind. She's okay. smart. She's level headed. She's like strong on her beliefs. Get her out there in Seattle. There you go. She's still got some time to play though. That's true. <laughs> anyway, take a look at Haley's article on the Athletic. Uh, a lot of great answers. It's great to hear what the, uh, the girls think of the best player in the world, which was Mary Fleet Plan. No, not even a doubt. And they asked American players who also answered that. So. There you go. Who was second? Do you have it? Yeah. Uh, the top player, or oh, if you're building a team from from scratch, 68% said they'd pick Marie Philippe Poulin first fall by Hillary Knight with 6%. Hillary Knight still, eh? That's and a Anne big Renee. drop off. That's big. ABN, number three? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Pretty good. Well, 6%. Um, and then there's one other one. Who's the GOAT? Does that belong to MPP too? Sure does. Does it? Over Haley? It Is does. Is Haley number two? Nope. Who's number two? Hillary Knight, Cami Granado, Jaina Hefford, and Cassie Campbell-Pascal. Wickenheiser not even on the top five. That's right. Interesting. I thought it was interesting as well, Justin. Okay. Something to chew on. Something to chew on. Let's talk to Jeff Merrick on the other side of the break, host of the Jeff Merrick Show and host of 32 Thoughts, the podcast. I wonder if he'll be in any Women's World's games. It's right in our backyard in Brampton. Let's chat. Jeff Merrick.